Welcome to Adventist Voices, Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be joined by Manuel Artiega. Thank you so much for talking with all of us today. My brother, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, well, I've uh, really enjoyed listening to your sermons, and uh, I wanted to kind of get to know you better and, and share your story and your congregation's story with the Spectrum audience. You're the founding pastor of the Kaleo Adventist Church, which is a Spanglish congregation. We'll get into that a little bit later (laughs) in this conversation. In Glendale, California, you have degrees in business from La Sierra, uh, a master's in theological studies from the Divinity School there at La Sierra, and you're working on a doctorate in urban ministry at Fuller. So, You are, I'm sure, a busy man, and I wanted to just kind of get to know you uh, personally and get to know your congregation personally first. So, kind of tell us how this academic background and your interest in photography has kind of shaped who you are as a a minister of the gospel. Man, so I was not gearing towards ministry at all. I was actually going to be doing business pre-dentistry. My dad's a dentist. But somewhere along the way, you know how God does things. Um, I'm out in the mission field for a year in Marshall Islands and um, have a wonderful encounter with Jesus that could take the entire episode to really break down. Uh, so I changed um, I changed directions and I kept the business because I figured it would help me somehow down the road as I did ministry. So I did business pre-seminary instead of pre-dentistry. And sure enough, now that I've done ministry for 16 years, uh, the church planting, the leadership, all that, all those tools I acquired during my business years, during my degree at La Sierra. So that was very helpful. After that, I did um, my master's in theological studies where I met Dr. Maury Jackson, who has been on here before, and he completely uh, shifted my perspective. So now that kind of set me on course for the doctoral work that I'm doing, which is in urban ministry under uh, Sunchan Ra. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah well, Maury Jackson is a great person, a, a great conversationalist, and uh, well, I think one of our prophetic uh, scholars yeah. and absolutely in the church. And, and the, you mentioned the photography. The photography is a mental health break for me. It's a way for me to use uh, a different part of my brain um, and just really get out there. And I, I love street photography. So being out in the city, talking to people with camera in hand, that just reinvigorates me uh, after so much putting out in ministry, you know, this, this kind of helps me. Um, yeah, it kind of helps bring some sort of a balance to my life. So I really enjoy that. Yeah. So tell us about uh, the Kaleo community there. It's in kind of, you know, North East Los Angeles. Right. right. And you're drawing on a, a really rich cultural heritage. How, how, you know, who are the people that you minister to? It's funny because 
the word kaleo sounds Hawaiian, but it's Greek and we're a, a Spanglish congregation. So it's, it's, uh, it's always a great um, conversation starter. Uh, kaleo is actually a merger of two churches, a church that I planted and a church that I inherited. I planted the church and about three and a half years later, I, I inherited a second congregation that um, needed some more care. And after some time, we realized there's no point in us being apart. Let's just bring it together and replant. So uh, we replanted Kaleo uh, in, as Kaleo back in 2015. And um, it's it's really a multicultural, it's it's a multicultural Latino congregation. Mm-hmm. And that's important for us to say, because a lot of times we feel or we misnomer uh, Latino as a culture, mm-hmm. right? We mislabel Latino as a culture, but Latinos are actually multicultural. There's many cultures uh, within the Latino uh, community or Latina community. In our church, for example, we have Nicaraguenses, we have Guatemalans, we have Salvadorians, we have Mexicans, we have Colombians, Ecuadorians, we have Armenians who are not considered Latino, we have Filipino. Um, but uh, it's it's a mixture of cultures that operate under the Hispanic work here in L.A. Uh, we are a part of the Hispanic work. Uh, we call ourselves a Spanglish congregation. Yeah. Because when we planted, so w- when we're planting this church, um, we're we're trying to address this crisis that a lot of our um, a lot of our churches have in our denomination. We don't know how to reach a second and third generation. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to reach them. We don't know how to minister to them. There's a disconnect between the parents and the, the kids, the parents who are first generation, the kids who are who are now born and raised here in America. Um, so we planted as an answer to that, but we overcorrected along the way. Mm. We overcorrected in the sense that we said, all English, we're completely leaving the Hispanic church behind. And uh, I, I personally was very zealous about that. Wrongly so. Hmm. Um, I realized a few years into our journey that while well, I was very strict about no, no Spanish in the service and we're going to keep it all English, none of this, you know, sneaking Spanish here and there. When we came off stage and we walked around the halls, we were Spanglish. Sure. We were calling each other hermano, hermana. We were, you know, in our, around our table. I mean, we were, we were Spanglish. On our table, we had tostadas. We, none of this haystack stuff. We had tostadas. You know, we <laughs> had tamales. We had, um, you know, all these, uh, these foods that represented our culture. So in our language, we were, you know, Spanglish in our in our food, we were Spanglish. In our life, we were Spanglish. But for some reason, I was wrongly so wanting the church to check their culture at the door when it came to worship, when it came to the gatherings. So after after some thought and some conversations, we realized, no, we, we're actually a Spanglish congregation. And there is no formula for Spanglish. Yeah. Right. When you're talking monolingual, you're talking one language. Bilingual, you're talking 50 percent, 50 percent or 100 percent, 100 percent language. But when it comes to Spanglish, it's this beautiful mess where you don't know where Spanish is going to hit you. Yeah. You don't know how it's going to hit you, but it's going to hit you. Right. It's it's you are living your um, 
your life with a little bit of habanero sauce on it and you don't know when it's going to hit. That's what the Spanglish life is. And and that's kind of how we we work as a church. We don't have a blueprint or formula. It's just, uh, you know, hey, in today's song set, we're going to throw in a full Spanish song. And uh, like recently in in some of our liturgy, we're going to throw a Spanish prayer or Spanglish prayer or sometimes as I'm preaching, you know, a lot of the the lingo that I use is very much uh, in tune with the cultures in the room. So I'm talking about analogies and metaphors and illustrations that people in the room will understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why we call ourselves Spanglish because we live in this in-between space that is kind of messy and beautiful and it flows organically. It's really amazing that you're able to kind of stop something that you thought was the right way to go and pivot mm-hmm. it yeah. uh, and, and kind of trust because uh, um, Spanglish is improvisation is what I'm gathering, you know, and it's, and it's up to individual people how to mix right. everything together. Right. So, um, so I, yeah. I would say that it really was us stepping back into our true selves. Mm-hmm. So rather than doing something, we actually stopped doing something that was unnatural to us. And we stepped back and became our true selves, which made it a lot easier than it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the the church has a very clearly and succinctly defined set of values how do you take that vision that you have for the church and kind of turn it into uh, practice uh, as you think about not just sharing the word but having um, your um, you know your your community embody it in their larger communities yeah uh, so <clears throat> our statement as a church is a home for all a savior to all a purpose and all mm-hmm. and we really really try to create spaces that enable those things to 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 um to be a reality right so a home for all we we're big on tables at our church we are not the kind of church that even though we are not the quote traditional hispanic church mm-hmm. we are there all day mm, we're wow. there all day and we're not all day we're not there all day in programming we don't have afternoon programs or anything we hang out oh nice we have tables we eat we our potlucks are legendary <laughs> um we we take that stuff seriously why because we are a commuter church like most churches in la mm-hmm. we have people driving some of them an hour and a half just to meet with familia mm-hmm. um there's a difference between family and familia family is mom dad siblings familia you include your tios, your tias, your abuelitos, you include uh, people that aren't even blood related, but you see them as uh, as family, right? As familia. So our church um, is so big on that, that we create spaces for people to come and spend the day together. So we do that. Uh, I think uh, we've done that fairly well in the past. Pandemic hit us, but we're slowly recovering and getting to that place where we're able to gather more outside of the worship space. Uh, a, see, a savior to all. We're Christ-centered um, in our preaching, man. What we do every single Sabbath, if it's not in the gospel, if it's not landing with Jesus, we're wasting our time. So we're very serious about 
making sure that anyone who walks through our doors will encounter and will know more about and have a reason to fall in love with Jesus Christ. So uh, that is that is something that is a non-negotiable for us. We're Christ-centered and a purpose and all. We try to plug everyone in to use the, the language, right? Total member involvement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we try to uh, bring everyone in. Does it, you know, are we doing it perfectly? No, we're, we're taking some steps right now to to, to do so, but that's that's our aim, man. We want everyone to really have buy-in and, and contribute to our church. What's the kind of, you, you talked about it being, you know, joined together or refounded as Kaleo mm-hmm. coming out of these, these kind of d- different DNA strands. That's rough, you know, you're getting close to a decade here. How have you seen this vision kind of change over the you know this kind of first decade of this kind of congregation's life it's fascinating because when we began we were all young adults mm. we were all young adults and now uh as you can imagine young adults are growing up together getting married together mm. having kids around the same time so whereas before it felt like a young adult church right now it feels like a young family church so our greatest contingency, our biggest contingency is our kids. Our, our probably one of our strongest ministries is adventures. Oh, nice. Which is phenomenal, right? You have on, a, on adventure Sabbath, you know, we, we, we have meetings every other week. It's our biggest attendance of the week, uh, of the month, because, you know, the, 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 the ministry geared towards the children is really uh, what's driving our church, which was not part of the initial vision, but I'm so happy about. So we've been able to, you know, we've been, we've had to, and I think we've been able to uh, adapt along the way. Pandemic made it really hard. Uh, it brought up, de- you know, some, some themes that we needed to talk about um, that were relevant, you know, to the social uh, tensions that we were navigating as a world and as a nation and as a church so those were some very difficult conversations to have i i i was very zealous very um uh committed to having those some of them i believe went well some of them went really really bad it was a learning experience for all of us but i think we've recovered well and um we've been able to transition through these different um seasons uh fairly well i think we're we're in we're in good shape thank god yeah the i just saw that brazil uh the country has pathfinder day it's an official day now in the country of brazil to celebrate the adventist uh, pathfinder experience and i think that's really interesting the way that um these sort of uh kind of might think of them i mean i'm I was an adventurer and a pathfinder myself and proud of it. In fact, I have something hanging up in my home. It's always fun when I have friends over and they like this award that you have from pathfinder still matters to you. Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But those sort of things are often, you know, they're, they're big, they're bigger often outside the U S these days. And yet within, you know, immigrant communities, they are ways to really connect to new generations. Are there other things within the kind of, you might think of a kind of traditional Adventist Spanish speaking church experience that you have found 
while some people might think of them as conservative or old-fashioned, you found relevant to kind of keeping your community connected? And are there things that you've gotten rid of that you're like, that no, you know, no way we can't do these? Uh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as a matter of fact, tomorrow, this is, we're, we're recording right before uh, I began my series, Café con Fe. Café mm-hmm. con Fe is a yearly sermon series that I do at church. Uh, it has nothing to do with coffee consumption. <laughs> it has to do with the brown church. It has to do with being brown and having faith. What does it mean to be authentically Christian and authentically Latino or Latina at the same time? Um, and what we do is we talk about the legacy of the Latino church, about the brown church. What are the good things? Because it's, it's really easy for us to sit here and talk about, you know, the deaconess who used to chase us because we had gum. And, you know, it, it's easy for us to sit and talk about how long and drawn out the meetings are. But the truth is that we're still here. Yeah, we're still here. And we're here largely because of the prayers of those abuelitas and the the pouring into of those uh, those pathfinder leaders i know pathfinder leaders who were directors and didn't know how to read bro wow because they had a third grade education but they muscled through and they 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 got us through these classes and they discipled us and so there's a lot of richness in the in the in the brown church there's a lot of richness in the latino church so part of this series is about naming those things Naming those things, our our emphasis this this month, uh, this year is going to be on the ownership that the people in the, in the in the Latino church have over their congregation. It's not just la iglesia; it's mi iglesia; it's my church. And <laughs> there's even a sense of loyalty that is expected because this is my church. And if you transfer to another church, then you're not leaving the church; you're leaving me. You're leaving us, right? So it yeah. could could become a little toxic, but, but there's, there's a sense of beauty, right? In, in the ownership. So we're talking about stuff like that. And every, every single year, I, I, I try to highlight the good things, the beautiful things that come from the Brown church, the, the, the faith, the faith, the, the prayers. I've never seen prayers. I've never heard or witnessed prayers like the prayers I've seen in the Hispanic church, the sense of community, the tables, um the 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 worship man we we have our own uh brown spirituals we have our own um we we, and perhaps we're not aware that that's what they are but we have our undia la vez right one day at a time that that song has carried generations after generations through struggles through la lucha right we have our Masaya del Sol that paints oh. this beautiful prophetic vision of a place, of a time when I will have a home and I will be in a homeland where I belong. So all it takes for us is to really pause and look at the beauty because there's so much of it. And now recapture and contextualize that to uh, our audience, which is more 1.5 second and third generation immigrants. Um, and I, I emphasize the 1.5 because we often don't even talk about the 1.5ers in the room. The first generation is the older immigrants who come into the country. The second and third generation are like my kids, for example, who have been born here, 
And then you have the 1.5ers, which is someone like myself who was born in Mexico, but I came so early in my life. I came at 13 that I am, I was, I've been here long enough to think like a second generation, but I'm still first generation. So I'm in this in between space where um, I am very much bicultural. So the challenge here is to bring the richness of what our first generations uh, experienced and gave us in our Hispanic churches and bring it now to the 1.5, the two, the, the second and third generation and show them, hey, we are here because of that, for better or for worse, because we also carry a lot of the baggage. We carry a lot of the legalism. We carry a lot of the toxicity. How can we now hand this off to the next generation, to the third and fourth generation, uh, um, better than how we have received it? So it's a long drawn out answer, but but there's there's a lot there's a lot there, man. Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of evolution of identity. It's not. Yeah. It's not a. It's a moving target, and um, it's right. uh, it's it's something that I think is interesting to see in the sermons that I've heard you preach. Mm -hmm. The sermon that you did for on September 2, part of your Sabbath series, it started out and, and there were tones and direct addresses and looks that I thought, okay, he is going, he's right now sounding like an old time pastor. We're going to break down some truth that many of you will not be comfortable with, but I'm <laughs> here to tell you what to do. And then it came, broke into this beautiful uh, sermon on injustice and helping us think about, um, you know, our duty to our fellow human beings. And it's not there's not a lot of Adventist um, communicators that can take the kind of one might say a traditional, even conservative tone. This is the truth. You, <laughs> if you do not believe it. There is a problem and combine it with a kind of progressive, inclusive vision. So mm. number one, thank you for that, uh, for lending your talents to our community. But number two, how do you do it? Do you like, oh, how do you put it together? How do you? <laughs> so <laughs> let me tell you, you feel, I, you, you feel convicted about your values when you're preaching. Absolutely. I absolutely am. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually sitting right next to my prayer, um, my prayer, my kneeling bench, where I grapple with God about stuff like this, because um, you need, you need boldness that cannot be humanly produced like when i produce my own boldness i it's a it's bloodshed it's 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 irresponsible mm -hmm. i can be bold but my boldness ends up being counterproductive so i really see this as an exercise i do with the spirit god give me your boldness give me confidence in your word first of all because if i come in with my opinion or with cnn's opinion or fox's opinion then um I'm bound to, 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 to botch this, but give me confidence in your word. The truth as your word is presenting it. And once I'm confident with it, then 
I'm not really concerned, even though I was shaking, I, <laughs> I'm not really concerned about what the audience, uh, how the audience will receive it, because I am literally saying, hey, I'm, I'm reading the book to y'all, man. This is what the book is saying. And if we if we if we claim to believe the book, then we got to take this stuff seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a fascinating exercise. I hadn't I hadn't been on the theme for a minute for, for a few months because um, of other pastoral reasons that I needed to kind of heal some of the own mishandlings on my part of, of the topic of justice specifically. So I wanted I wanted to kind of give it a little bit of room and give the, the church a chance to to um, to heal. But then this time I brought it. I brought I brought the topic and I think I was pretty, pretty bold about it. Um, but at the same time, I thought I, I think I hope I was faithful to the text and faithful to the spirit as I as I presented it. But yeah, man, that's a prayer exercise for me. It's about submitting so that I can so that I can be delivered before the sermon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I've got one more question for you. Thanks so much for being so real and, and open about your process. Can you talk about you, you talked about your upcoming sermon series? What what's in, what are you going to be praying about? Uh, as you're preparing for tomorrow, what's 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 Im- what's an important message that you want to deliver? And if I can throw a little clause in there, you've alluded to the fact that you know you're you're you've had to heal things within the congregation. You've done things you felt like you've gone too far or had uh, issues, and that's the life of every congregation. You know, right. there's beefs happening behind the scenes all the time, <laughs> and you're there to sort of help folks stay yeah. together and and find a common uh, goal beyond that. So what's in your mind? What what are you trying to deliver as a message and what are you trying to heal maybe? So one of the biggest problems in the Latino church um, that often goes unnamed is a problem of identity. Hmm. We, we have a lot of problems, a lot of things that we can pinpoint. But one of that hardly ever is named is a problem of identity. We don't know how to be Latino in Christ. Mm-hmm. We have been taught that uh, certain cultures are sacred and acceptable. Others are not. We, our Latino culture is seen as folklore, uh, folklore right? It's something to, to experience within limits outside of the church uh, uh, setting. Sure. So I am zealous about uh, and passionate about uh, showing the church that you can be fully Latino and fully Christian at the same time. You can be, I can be Mexican American and Christian at the same time. I don't have to check my, my Mexican American uh, essence at the door in order to uh, have an encounter with Christ. I can be both. In fact, I should, and God wants me to be both. So my my hope is that the church captures that. That's why we do this same series, same uh, different topics, but the same theme. Cafe Con Fe is every year, and that's my hope that we will embrace what it means to be Latino in Christ. Now, 
it's easy because of the themes that come across, you know, that, that come about. We talk about immigration. We talk about marginalized communities. We talk about oppression. We talk about justice. We talk about, uh, you know, the need for accompaniment, the need for advocacy. We talk about all these things. It's easy for one to go down the slippery slope of it being a political talk, mm-hmm. right? Now, the gospel, the Bible is political. The Bible is yeah. Uh, has has political implications, absolutely, especially these themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I need to make sure, as I am as I am shepherding this congregation, that I that, that my starting point is the gospel, right? And that that's that's where I root myself and the message, and then the gospel will speak to these issues. What the gospel wants to say to them. Um, so. It's been a challenge. It's always a very stressful. It's enjoyable because we get we 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 kind of let our hair down a little bit and and address stuff that they're kind of like inside jokes and, and, and inside references that you know you you know because you grew up around the same tables and you had the same auntie who used to do the same thing. And so it's 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 a fun series, but it's one I take seriously because I see it as a pivotal part of their spiritual formation. Right to really walk in the fullness of who they are in Christ, right as Latinas and Latinos. So I'm excited. I'm I'm excited about it, man. And um, and I guess we'll we'll pick up some somewhere five weeks from now, and I'll tell you if it landed <laughs> or if it didn't. I'm really excited about it. Well, thanks so much for uh, talking with the Spectrum community, and thank you so much for the work that you put in um, to uh, express these values to our brothers and sisters there in Los Angeles. Thank you, man. Honored to be here. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. on the moon when the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely